Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome back to the Valley Collision Studio and the Bill Riley Show on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. All right, we begin the 1 o'clock hour on this Friday here on the Bill Riley Show on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. I gave you a little a little while ago my preseason, the ballot I turned into the Pac-12 conference as far as you know everything went there. I, I turned in my preseason all-Pac-12 team. I unveiled to you how I ranked the teams in the preseason. And as I told you, my ballot was going to be a little bit different than I think how it turns out. I'm just one of these people that needs to see some proof of life on things, and that's why I had things the way I had things. Now, yesterday, our friends at 24-7, which, of course, our friend Steve Bartle is part of, is UteZone.com, they put out their preseason All-Pac-12 ballot and All-Pac-12 teams, and they also had some interesting uh, all-league coaching staff as well. And I thought we'd get into all of that stuff right now with one of the National College football writers for 24-7 Sports who will, like me, a week from now be in Las Vegas for Pac-12 Media Day. Back on the program for the first time in a bit, Brandon Marcello with us here. How are you, Brandon? Doing well. Looking forward to the talking season, as we call it. Yeah, that's that's where we're at. We're kind of at that unofficial. I always call Media Day uh, the unofficial kickoff to the college football season. So as we sit here today, we're 48 days away from Florida visiting Rice-Eccles Stadium. We're 17 days away from Camp Kyle beginning, and we're seven days away from Pac-12 Media Day. So it, it's coming, man. It's coming, and it's going to be by the time we hit practice, then it then it becomes a blur. Yeah, I'm with you. Like if you're a member of the media, when Media Day starts, that's really the football season for us because you know you go to media days you do your things there covering it writing all those stories previewing things and then usually it's a week or two later uh, after you write those stories you're heading right into pre spring or excuse me spring practice but preseason practice and you're writing every day about what that team's going to look like as they try to build that identity and to us and I'm sure for the diehard fans that is that is the season preseason camp is the season I know, and we cannot wait for it to get here, and there's high expectations here. When I looked at your guys' poll yesterday, and 24-7 covers college football nationally, and it obviously has all of its silos on the individual teams, I was really intrigued at the way your preseason poll came out. Now, not not shocked, because I think when the actual poll comes out, the media poll for the Pac-12 in a week, I think you're going to see a lot of teams get first-place votes. I think it'll be a very close vote near the top. But I was very surprised that SC, Washington, then Utah, then Oregon. 
but I was really surprised that SC was the unanimous selection among your voters. I was, too. Um, we had 18 voters across the Pac-12, and, and including, also, I should mention, a couple of national reporters. And I'm expecting someone to be a dissenting voice there to maybe pick Utah to three-peat or maybe pick Washington or, obviously, Oregon. But, <clears throat> you know, really, it was USC running away with all those first-place votes. And then from there, it was a close battle for number two. And then after that, it was like a close battle for number four. It wasn't really, you know, three teams vying for that number two spot in the end. It was really just two. And those two teams for that number two spot were Utah and Washington. And Washington ended up eking out Utah um, by six points which is really just amounts to literally one vote. So um, I, I was quite a little bit surprised with that. And, um, you know, I expected to be this kind of order, USC, Washington, Utah. But there was some, um, uh, you know, some interesting ballots out there that were filed as far as where they placed those two teams. Well, I'll tell you, my, my, you'll probably think mine's interesting, Brandon, but I've covered this conference for 13 years, and I saw everybody last year, and I saw USC up close. I'm a big believer that when you bring 17 starters back, including your starting quarterback and your back-to-back champion, you deserve the top spot until somebody can prove you otherwise. And USC was so horrific defensively last year in in, in some of its biggest games, I couldn't put them number one. And I this is I, you know, I would you know people will call me biased because I'm the play-by-play voice of Utah. Utah's got 17 starters, a healthy Cam Rising coming back to start against Florida. He told me that on the air yesterday. He's on track to start against Florida. He was on the show yesterday. They've got championship pedigree. Their staff is intact. I put them number one on my ballot. I put Oregon number two. I put Washington three and SC four. And People are going to call me crazy, but until I see an Alex Grinch defense be able to stop somebody when it really matters, and they're going to have to play Washington this year, which they didn't have to do last year, I've got to see proof of it from USC. Wow, yeah. You know, um, I'm somewhat with you there, but I'll say this. Alex Grinch's defenses, for whatever reason, going into year two, they make a big jump. I think a lot of it just has to do with this system. They like to play out in space quite a bit, which if you're trying to put in that new system with a bunch of new players, you're going to have a lot of missed tackles, a lot of blown assignments. And we saw that from USC last year, and especially as those teams get tired, as we saw late last season from USC, just absolutely looking abysmal in those late-season games. I mean, but the thing is, is if USC just looks like a half-step better (laughs) defensively, I think a lot of us, including myself, think they should win the Pac-12. But Utah has been the most physical team in the Pac-12 the last two years, really the last three. And, you know, two years ago, I remember even sitting there thinking that Oregon was the most physical team. And then Utah just beats them up over and over again, and then, of course, again, last season. But to me, when you look at Utah, if they can continue to be that physical team, why shouldn't they be the one to to win the Pac-12 and and three-peat here? Because um, that's what wins these football games late in the season, no matter what conference. If you have the best offensive line and best defensive line, you're going to end up winning. And, you know, I think everybody obviously knows USC is the most talented team in the Pac-12, but do they actually have all the peace on the field together at the same time, and are they playing the type of style of football that you need to be playing to win a championship down the line? 
Again, Brandon Marcello with us here on the Bill Riley Show today from, from 24-7 Sports. It could very well shake out that way, but if we're sitting here in the preseason, I don't see a reason why you wouldn't put Utah there. Again, I'm assuming and I'm basing everything on what Cam Rising and medical people have told me that he's on track to play. If you're missing Cam Rising and he, or he gets re-injured, that's a different story. But 17 returning starters, back-to-back conference champions, you know, you know, have you know, having done it before, and that that's another reason why I put Oregon at number two, Brandon. I'm a Dan Blanning believer. They also play a physical brand of football. They have in recent years, and if Bo Nix picks up where he left off last year, I'm a big believer in that as well. So I know, I know it's not a popular. I I like Washington a lot. What Kalen DeBoer's done up there, but they didn't play Utah and they didn't play USC last year, and those are two the two best teams in the league that played for the championship. They may very well be the best team, too. And I've said for months, I think a lot of teams are going to get first-place votes. I don't think there'll be a big difference between one and four. And even Oregon State might get an outlier vote here and there. But until I see otherwise, that's how I'm going to vote it. Yeah, you know, to me, Oregon, they lost a little bit too much there defensively as far as some you know, difference makers. And then offensively, I don't see how Bo Nix performs as well as he did last year. I think Kenny Dillingham and what he was able to do as the OC there, just some little things. You know, I was talking to uh, Kenny Dillingham a few weeks ago uh, about like what what it because you know <clears throat> I covered Bo Nix up close. I was formerly a, a beat writer at Auburn, you know, four years ago when he first got there, and he he was just running around all the time. And Kenny Dillingham. Said, listen, you know, when I got to Oregon, I had to identify his strengths, and I realized that he's a guy that just likes to be on the move a lot. And at and at Auburn, he wasn't really kind of told to do that. It's just it came natural to him. So what I ended up doing was just simply called every every single play. We just implemented a half rollout for him. So he got his feet moving. It's almost like going for a jog uh, instead of going for a full out sprint and trying to dodge defenders everywhere. And it put him in a rhythm on every single snap, and that's why he did so well. But there's other things he had to tweak throughout games, week to week, That, but he always leaned on Bo Nix to figure out what those things were and was able to identify the things even Bo Nix wasn't able to realize or, or vocalize. And I'm not saying the new, new offensive staff at Oregon is you know, worse than Kenny Dillingham, but, man, there's a lot to be said about that personal connection yep. and those little things that change everything for Bo Nix. And I just don't see him performing as well this upcoming season as he did last year. I, I'm with you. I have said I've kind of put that caveat on there, too. It depends on how he jives with the new coordinator. If they are in sync the way he and Dillingham were, it could be good. But if not, it you know, it, it, you know you don't know what's going to happen. That's why, again, not to continue to go back to Utah – Staff continuity to me, and especially continuity in the offense yeah. with Cam Rising, who probably knows the offense better than anybody not named Andy Ludwig. Continuity on the defensive side, bringing back so many guys, adding a guy like Lavani Damuni from Stanford, and having Morgan Scally's defense being back at it again. I I think staff continuity matters a little bit too. Absolutely, I'm with you there. And you mentioned Utah, and you talk about staff continuity. There's nothing better there. I mean, there'd be. They're the beacon on the hill, so to speak, of what, you know, it takes to be successful consistently year to year in the Pac-12 for a lot of reasons because of, because of Coach Wingham, but also he's able to find a staff and keep them there for the most part and really the crucial parts. And there's a culture there where 
year after year, they're doing the same things and building off of what they have been doing instead of having to start over or take things away. I think that's huge for a program. A couple more minutes here with Brandon Marcella. He's joining us from 24-7 Sports. We're talking about their preseason Pac-12 poll that came out yesterday based on the votes of all the guys across the 24-7 family nationally and in the Pac-12 as well. Guys also did something fun yesterday too, Brandon, and teamed up with a guy that's a friend of the program, our buddy Dave Bartu, the college football matrix and analytics man. You guys did a first-ever all-Pac-12, all-league coaching staff, which I thought was pretty fun, and, and you kind of based it on some of the analytics that Dave's used over his time. Yeah, in fact, we've leaned solely into that. I've been talking to Dave about this stuff and giving a peek at his data that's usually pretty private that they only give out to these athletic departments look going through coaching searches and, you know, listen, you know, we're a recruiting website, so to speak, right? I don't dabble in recruiting, but I am fascinated by the formula that we have developed in 24 seven sports and how accurate it is proven out over the years of identifying players and giving them ratings. And it's not just four or five star ratings. We have like a point system. So very similar system to what Dave utilizes for his coaching rating index. You know, it's a score from zero to 100, goes down to the decimal point. And um, I really found it interesting. And he was able to look at everything and go, listen, I can give you a kind of an all-conference scheme of coaches here, but there needs to be some minimum criteria. And one of those minimum criteria is four years of experience, at least, at your position before you're eligible to do this, because we have to get a good grade on what you actually are as a coach we can't go year by year because then that's flash in a pan or we're degrading a coach who should be degraded just based off of one or two years of performances and um not surprising as you mentioned we talk about consistency and turnover in coaching staff utah leads the way um with three coaches at five positions on the first team um there I mean, five coaches on the first team. Right. That's insane. Insane hit rate. And that's because they're veteran guys. Um, guys that have like seven years of experience or, or more. And it's really typical. You look across the country, not just in the Pac-12. The veteran coaches, one, there's a reason why they're veteran coaches. Because they're very good coaches and they last at their jobs. And two, those are the best guys, usually. Rarely do you see on these lists we're putting together a guy with the minimum requirements of four years. Everybody's about seven, eight, nine years or more. And um, Utah coaches obviously fit that bill. I mean, you know, the defensive back coaches there at Utah, minimum experience there, 11 years coaching their position. So you don't see that very often in college football. For those that missed it when I, I, I mentioned it earlier in the show, the five coaches are Morgan Scally as defensive coordinator and safeties coach, uh, Fred Whittingham at tight end, Lewis Powell at defensive line, Sharif Shaw at corners. Uh, five five coaches right there. And then, ironically enough, the guy that's the most tenured coach and very accomplished and well-received, Kyle Whittingham's the second-team all-conference head yeah. coach. And I think some of that has to do with just the fact that Lincoln Riley – reached the college football playoff when he was at Oklahoma. Yeah, and has won championships or conference championships and just yep. um, has done an incredible job just in the win-loss column year after year after year. I mean, his worst season as a head coach was last season. They had three losses. It, that's incredible. And I look back at that and I'm like, 
that's his worst season as a head coach was a three loss season. Um, so no surprise to see him there in the top five, even nationally, top three nationally among the head coaches in those rankings. But again, he's on that low end of the hitting that eligibility zone for being in that those coach rating index rankings. But we'll see how he is in two years or three years when you have to kind of start stacking up, you know, lengthwise uh, your resume against the Kyle Whittinghams or, or for example, the Kirby Smarts and obviously the Nick Sabans of the world. If you guys are subscribers of UteZone.com, and I know a lot of you are, you can find all that there. And actually, these were two free articles, so you don't even have to be a 24-7 full-time subscriber to get these two fun stuff up there right now. I, I, I guess I, I should ask you before you go, we got the consensus 24-7 preseason Pac-12 poll. What's the Brandon Marcello preseason Pac-12 poll look like, at least top four or five? Uh, well, I think it's very similar to what we ended up posting. In fact, I'll just go through here off the top of my head. I do have Washington um, as my second team. I have USC winning it as well. And my third spot, I do have Utah as well. And now I'm looking at it. And then Oregon at four. I'm not so sold on four. Um for Oregon, because I think Oregon State, it, you know, they won 10 games last year, and everybody's like, well, you look at their schedule. Like, well, that's a very good team. Their offensive line returns three type of players that could be all conference at this end of this upcoming season. And they've got an upgraded quarterback, or at least we expect so, in DJ Uyongale coming in from, from Clemson. I'm almost tempted to slide Oregon all the way down to fifth. Wow. In my poll. At this point, I, I, I'm, I'm teetering on that. But again, I think a lot of this is going to depend on scheduling uh, in this upcoming season, because I think I mentioned this in the, in the piece. There's about a five week window uh, in mid-October all the way through November in the early November, mid-November, where all of those top five or top six teams in the poll are playing each other. There's at least one game a week in the Pac-12 where they're all playing each other. And they're going to cannibalize themselves, and I think we're going to end up seeing some crazy movement among those two top three or top four spots when we get into October and obviously early November in the Pac-12. Yeah, Utah's got a tough two-week stretch. They've got, they're have got they at the Coliseum on the 21st, and they come home to play Oregon on the 28th. And that's a tough two-week slot there. And then, of course, Maybe the showdown weekend of, of all showdown weekends is November the 11th when Utah goes to Washington and SC goes to Oregon. It's insane. And I, I'm sure the Pac-12 are looking at that and going, wow, this is great inventory for people to watch, great ratings. But also it's like we might just be setting ourselves up to miss the playoff again because people are going to be watching those games. And I'll say this. I, I think that it obviously depends on who the loss is to. But I do think, based off of looking at everything, that a one-loss Pac-12 team, if they win the championship, the Pac-12 championship, one loss, they should get into playoff this year. It's only happened once before where we had a one-loss conference champion not make the playoff. But I think a lot of people almost discredit the Pac-12. Well, there's one loss, they're going to get it. I think the way you look at everything across college football this year, the Pac-12 should get someone in if it's a one-loss one but, but here's the problem, Brandon. I don't think we're going to get that. I just think this league is going to be Probably so not. tough, and they always cannibalize. Yeah. I've been saying this, and I feel like the rain cloud. I just I feel like we're going to. I don't I don't see them coming out of Las Vegas with a Pac-12 champion with one or no losses. I think the Pac-12 champion coming out of Vegas probably has probably has two losses. You might be right. It's going to be very difficult. And again, 
it could be one of those situations where in early November, we're looking there and already saying that the Pac-12 eliminated itself because of that crazy stretch of games I just mentioned. Uh, read his stuff all the time at 24-7 Sports, but the stuff this week's really good. They're doing the All-SEC and the All-Big Ten, all that stuff leading up to the season. And I think I'm going to see you in Vegas next week at Media Day, right? I will I will be there. I can't wait. And, uh, you know, I'm interested to see what the conversations are like. A lot of things going on. But also, I'm, I'm interested to see how Coach Prime handles that media spotlight, how he, how he takes advantage of it. Especially when people won't call him Coach Prime. <laughs> You're exactly right. No, you know, it's interesting. I saw the Pac-12 put their media list out, and they made sure to call him every nickname they could think of. It was like Dion, Coach Prime, Sanders is the way he's listed on the official media docket. Okay, well, he'll be he'll be Dion or Dion Sanders to me, and probably you too. Hey, Brandon, thank you. Uh, have a great week. Travel safe. I'll see you next week. All right, you too. Thanks. There you go, Brandon Marcello, with us here on the Bill Riley Show from Twenty Four Seven Sports. Again, interesting stuff. I told you, I think this everybody. I think everybody's ballots are going to be all over the place on this thing, in, including mine. I think mine's going to be an outlier ballot too. But I firmly believe Utah won. I, I firmly believe Utah won. And then I think the next three are up for grabs, but I went Oregon 2, Washington 3, and USC 4 until I see USC put a defense that looks, you know, decent on the field. Like, I just I can't pick them to win the league. 